and welcome to Living Being. I'm Chris Park. I'm Verity Sharp. I'm Patrick Randall. And this is the podcast where we're going to celebrate everything that's wondrous about bees. So for this episode, um, we have come outside, which is a little bit of a novelty because, of course, for many episodes um, of Living Being so far, we've been talking to people down the line remotely. Uh, We haven't really been able to get out and about and see people's setups for obvious reasons. Um, So this is really nice. And it's just the three of us, Chris, Patrick and myself. Um, I guess we're a bit of a bee bubble anyway aren't we yeah. so we're you know we can keep distance and all that um, and what we've done is we've come on to a, a place where Patrick has been keeping bees on some land that belongs to a great friend of ours called James Noble so we're in the Vale of Pusey and how long have you been keeping bees here? Well I put a hive down here last year it was just one hive and it was a swarm and you know, I, I didn't think it would thrive necessarily. And uh, I put it in a national, the national hive mm-hmm. and put it in the woods. And uh, I, the reason why I did, I did it was because I didn't have enough room at home. So I, was, I, I needed somewhere else to put something. And I think this is quite common, isn't it, for people? Because a lot of people don't have the land to do it. So quite regular is that people get, you know, if you are a beekeeper, people will come to you saying, can you put some bees on my land? Which is exactly what happened to you with James, wasn't it? And James is a forester. So trees on his little bit here, which is 40 acres, um, thrive and more and more James has been going down the kind of wilding route so there is a lot of forage around I think and that national that you've just mentioned has gone ballistic but let's let's walk you haven't been here at all have you Chris? So I'm having memories of coming to a Cayley in the in the big barn there but I've not seen the bees and I don't think I've been here in daylight ever and yeah it's great what a wonderful place it's really full of James's creativity and loads of small fields and hedgerows and large trees and yeah. you know, brambles and yeah, loads of good things for bees. Swallows flitting around, yeah. bird song. And it's this become this um, almost like a kind of laboratory really, hasn't it? Because you've now got these different types of hive. So what we'll do in this episode, we'll go and have a look at the national. Then we're going to walk on a bit to a Russian hive, which came your way. Yep. Talk a little bit about that. And eventually we're going to get to a log hive, which is something that actually we made. Um, I was there chiseling out the, um, the trunk of the tree with... Patrick and James and um, a couple of other friends and we basically we put that up in April I think wasn't it and we That's have, right. we've never opened it okay, so is it high up it's high it's on legs it's, ah, it's, it's on great, bendy yeah. legs because like James's woodwork thing. is all about bendy bendiness mm-hmm. so I think it's on bendy legs uh, but it is it's above head height but we've never taken taken it off so this is really exciting yeah we'll explain what happened to when we put it up and there was just a, it was you know an amazing yeah amazing experience yeah Okay, let's go. So we're just going down a a track, um, which is actually right next to the river. This is the Avon, so this is chalk land. We're in between Salisbury Plain and the Pusey Downs, chalk downlands and chalk streams, which is in itself a wonderful thing to have yeah, so on this, a bit of land. This is the Avon that rises at Alton Priors, Alton Bars. I reckon it probably is. Yeah. Unless it goes it's down to Stonehenge. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. 
yeah, and it winds its way. So it's wonderfully <laughs> overgrown. So look, we have come across the first hive. Oh, it's doing well. It's a monster. <laughs> yes, it's a, it is a monster. So this is the hive. This is the hive that I brought down to James's, and it was in that bit of wood over there behind us. But um, I moved it in the winter and put it here, and it's got a nice op open aspect. Um, this is, you know, me learning, beekeeping, not getting everything right, and I suppose the thing. I suppose the thing here is that. Um, it's got five supers on it, <laughs> and uh, I'm not. Uh, one thing I'm not very good at, Chris, yet, yeah. is is sort of assessing how many supers I need. You know, I'm looking for space in the hive, but also yeah. at the same time, um, these 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 are these guys are really really bringing it in. There's a huge amount of mm -hmm. um, nectar uh, coming in. Just slight yeah. layman. So it's super. This basically, to my layman's eyes, the super is like little is the next layer of box that you put on it when. The bees are making so much honey, is that right? That you just have to keep giving them more and more That's space. Right. Yeah. So in this conventional, contemporary style of beekeeping, the brood is separated from the stores. So you have a brood box generally at the bottom, and then you have a queen excluder normally. I mean, you wouldn't need one with so many supers on like this. And then above the queen excluder, which the, bee, the worker bees that are smaller can get through, but the queen stays down in the brood box, people store honey. So that then you can take the honey off and it's just honeycomb. Yeah uncap it and spin it and yeah. and, bobs yeah. and this one is a tower the reason why the supers are smaller by the way is because they're, they're more manageable for the beekeeper yeah, everything's for the beekeeper beekeeper's so, back yeah beekeeper's yeah, back okay. but it, this whole setup is is not the um it's not the way that the bees would necessarily choose to to sure um, yeah and it what what makes there's a few things i'm thinking is that it's a great example that bees like to be spread out so if you had you know, 10 hives all along this fence. Uh, you might have like one or three supers on each one or something. Yeah. But because you've got one colony and there aren't so many, you can't see any others from here, then then they're, they're, they're happier and yeah. they're more productive and there's no robbing and there's, all that kind of stuff is going on. Also, it's a bit like a tree, so it does mimic that kind of horizontal log hive kind of ethic yeah. in, in this climate. Except when you're adding a super on top. You obviously the bees, bees wouldn't normally be be adding adding uh, honey it's, on top of their comb that yeah, they've already I built. But so. it's it's a different. It's it, they ha I mean they they thrive. They seem to be thriving. Yeah. And, um, so, and so so why haven't they swarmed? Have you stopped? Them well, that swarming? was a weird. That's a weird. I mean, mm. I suppose yeah. The beekeeper again is always often trying to to minimise swarming because if you lose part of your colony, you're going to mm -hmm. you're probably not going to have so much of a big honey crop. So, um, so essentially, they haven't swarmed, as far as I know, because I haven't looked at them, looked at them for a couple of weeks. But and you thought they might have a late swarm, Chris, because I remember talking to you about this one. Right. Yeah, but uh, I think I, I possibly, I'm thinking possibly there might there might be a supersedure going on. Could be. Is, um, it, is it a is it a is it a standard size brood box or is it a 14 by yeah, 12. Yeah, no, I mean, what, what I've got here is ridiculous because <laughs> they turn into such a monster colony. Yeah. I had two brood boxes. Yeah. And then I took the soup, I took the queen excluder out from above the second brood box and put it above the next super up. So okay, they've so actually got two and a, half, and a half. Double brood yeah. and a half. <laughs> well, okay, there you go. That explains it. You know, you know uh, that, that's great. And if you can do that, you, and the colony can build up to, to such an extent to have two brood boxes a lot of people do double brood some people 
prefer the deep brood, which is some people call a 14 by 12 because it's 14 by 12 inch frames. Yeah. Centimeter or something like that. And so it's, it's really good to see that, to, to see you as, a, as an early beekeeper, you yeah. know, suddenly managing this very large colony, which yeah. can be quite intimidating for early beekeepers, but you're obviously doing it really it, well. It, it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, when I'm in there, the first time I started managing the sort of two brood boxes, it's pretty, pretty awesome, actually. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. There's a lot of bees. An awful lot of bees, and um, but I yeah I'm trying to get myself used to it. I'm trying to. Can I ask ask what super seizure is? It sounds painful. So the queen, um, the 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 workers uh, decide a lot of the make a lot of the decisions in the hive actually. So as the workers decide that the queen isn't really performing as well as she could, or that uh, she may not be laying as much, or she may be laying um, uh, sporadically. Uh, she just might have slowed down. She might have got a bit older, and therefore they decide that they want a new queen. Okay. And they'll make, make a new queen. Yeah. Uh, but they won't. Nothing will happen to the old queen. So sometimes, the old queen can be living in the, in the hive with with a new queen, and there could be two queens in the hive. Okay. And eventually, the old queen will disappear. Okay. Um, without trace, and yeah. the new queen, <laughs> the new queen will take over. Pigs or something. <laughs> yeah. Well. It's, it's a great thing to see. And what's also really interesting is that this effectively, or, or right next to the hive anyways, is just very wild. I don't think James has done any um, intervention planning, uh, planting. There's been no, you know, but it's all, it's all here. There's a lot of thistle, a lot yeah. of nettle. A lot of nettle. There's a saying, you know, that if you, if you weed nettles around a beehive, then you will get stung by the bees. And, I've, you know, it's not true. I mean, it's not, I mean, you know, I do it quite a lot. <laughs> but I think it's, it's allegorical, isn't it? It's, it's, not actually talking about beekeeping it's talking about you know well karma's coming you're going to get it sort of thing you know, <laughs> you know what i mean or if, if uh if you try and you know you can't escape your fate and destiny and that kind of stuff yeah yeah mm. it's quite a gloomy day today so i don't think they're actually well they're, right, they're probably flying because it's quite warm so what have we got there are a few flying oh yeah 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 um but i've seen that that entrance just like a the m4 you know yeah. At times, mm. just the bees going in and out was huge amount. Um, but that, yeah, that's that was the first that was the first colony. And you were saying, well, initially that was the only colony down here, uh-huh. and then uh, I gradually started adding a, a couple yeah. more, and uh, always making sure you know James is happy with it, and also trying to make sure that they are spaced out because there's so much space here. Mm-hmm. There's no reason mm-hmm. to have. The only reason to have them all bunched up would be so I wouldn't have to walk so far to between the hives. Sure. You can um, drive in here, can you? Yeah, yeah well, yeah. I can, yeah. but I don't drive in here all the time, but um, just just to keep it sort of... Because you put swarm boxes up, haven't you, this year, and, and uh, so we've kind of come down with the ladders and things to actually get those down. Yeah, all, all yeah, down. yeah. But But just quickly, and then we will go on to the next one, but, the, but this um, national was originally was under the trees, wasn't it? Yeah. Why, why did you move it into the more open area? I don't know, was because... That, I, I don't know because I listened to um, probably because I made the mistake of listening to different advice from different people. Some 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 people say that bees in the woods does no good or something. Yeah, do like good. That. That's an old saying, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, do good, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but bees you know, uh, have evolved in woods. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. But this is great because they do need, I would say, a dappled shade, especially midsummer time. You know, midday, midsummer time. Yeah. On a really yeah. hot day, they they will be fanning like mad to try and keep that cool and, and so that's a that's a really nice environment for them there's, there's 
just surrounded by these young hawthorn trees really close close by yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah I, I mean I, the other reason why, why i moved them actually is because the electricity board is supposed to be coming to do some work on some overhead power lines so um yeah, yeah. so actually uh, it was a completely human-led practical yeah. decision um, they haven't been but um but the, the hives here and it's great and so we got this path that's going all the way down i can let's, I can't one, let's wander down it personally call it the bee path but it's yeah. a good name um I like the way the path and the and the atria, if you like, follows the river as well. Because yeah. they, they do need good water source nearby, don't they? So they just zip out all the way along the riverside. So these are horizontal hives, I think. Are they still? Yeah. This is vertical? a. This one here is a is a Russian hive. Mm -hmm. um, don't ask me anything more about it. Okay. Uh, well, anything more about why, why what, 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 how people, people keep bees in Russia? Because I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, all we know is that this is the sort of format of a hive that would do well in in Russia. Yeah. So the immediate sort of visual difference that I see. So we've just that we've left that national that's a tower of blocks. This one's looking much more like a, I don't know, a kind of like a Chinese house in a way. It's got a, a proper sort of roof on the top of it and it's got what I imagine are the equivalent anyway to the supers, three of them, yeah. making it quite tall, but it looks like a... It's about two foot high, uh, the main body's about sort of two foot high by about a foot and a half across yeah. or something. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, a stand, it's sitting on a stand there. Uh, inside it'll have about 14 frames and each frame is about sort of 14 inches. And the frames go all the way down from the top. Yeah. And yeah. Okay. So they're longer than they are wide. Than they are yeah. wide. You know, the national, the national frames are wide, but they're not very deep. And um, the idea with bees and bees want to build comb. They want to build it down from the top, and they want to build it down a long way because they start with a, some honey stores at mm -hmm. the top, and and then brood a lump of brood. Yeah. You see in the middle. Yeah. So, so the then, so the frames that you put in the national have already got the, the pre-made foundation. Foundation. They don't have to, but. It's Quite common. And yeah. this one you just put frame, just, just and they make it. That's right, they make world okay. comb, they make their own comb. Yeah. And it, interestingly, complete beekeeping disaster with this one because nice. I got a swarm again and I introduced the swarm to this hive and I came mm -hmm. down with, with um without Adam or son actually. Mm -hmm. And I nice little ramp going up to so to be able to watch the swarm go in. And I watched them go into the bottom of the hive, um and through a hole right underneath on the floor. And uh, left them to it, and, and half the hive was set up for them to build comb on frames. Mm -hmm. Half the hive was empty. Um, so and where did, did they get a divider? Did you had a divider in the board. middle? Right. And where did they go and build the comb? Yeah, in the half where there weren't any frames. <laughs> so you, you gave them like starter strips or bits of wax Nothing or something to start on. Or? No, there's like a V-shape, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, V-shape top to the frame, like a foundationless top bar or something like that. Exactly. Called, yeah. 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 But and they bypassed that completely. They were, supposed to, they were supposed to go on that, but they didn't. They, but they went for the bypassed. bigger capacity on the other side. Well, it was about half and half. About half and half, right. But it was uh, just yeah. Hessian. Uh, they probably, they seemed to like the, the, Hess, the Hessian no. roof on the top. Yeah. Anyway, I came back a few weeks later, they built some lovely comb in the wrong part of the yeah. hive. Yeah. And of course, that's okay, apart from the fact it's starting to drag the Hessian down oh, into the hive. Yeah. And uh, I think what happened actually, was when they when they went up, the queen just decided to go up there into that corner, mm -hmm. and of course, as soon as she's gone up there, that's pretty much they where they're going to stay, yeah. and um, and not bother with the rest of the hive. So you had to cut it away. So I cut it cut it off on the hessian, mm -hmm. 
and I then used a, a sort of really Heath Robinson kind of thing they do on Blue Beater um, to put them, put them on the frame. Yeah, double back, <laughs> double back sticky tape, and uh, elastic. Well, actually, I used elastic bands to put the to sort of wrap the hessian onto the wooden. Top I bars. didn't use the hessian no. in the end. No, I cut it off cut the hessian. It hessian didn't work, yeah. and then I put a, I put um, I, I basically uh, put them into the frames, the the comb into right. the frame. And have you been in since to see if they've attached everything? And they have, but I haven't up. got, and I want to go in again and mm-hmm. make. They have, a, they have attached the comb to the top yeah. of the. Yeah, they seem much busier than the other yeah they colonies. do they do maybe because that's because the entrances entrances are smaller so, yeah so the entrance for this one is holes um kind of 10p piece maybe a little bit bigger sized holes on the side rather than um you know the horizontal opening of yeah. a national isn't it just a long thin horizontal opening but these are these are little holes mm. yeah and maybe they're just more concentrated because you see them going in yeah, yeah. In that one one space but but this hive was um is, is actually on loan to us from Matt Somerville, who also has a connection with the log hive that we'll, we'll get to because we actually made it with him and he's known, very, very, very well known in that in this world for na- what's so-called natural beekeeping. But but he, when we were around, it was interesting because we were around there making the log hive and we were talking to him about this idea of taking honey. Um, and it is something that he wanted to do and it's why he chooses this hive over a national because his Russian hive is in his garden, isn't it? And it's the one that he just takes honey from so why does he feel more comfortable taking honey from this setup than from a national setup well actually with a national the frames are designed to sort of go into um, centrifugal extractors so you can take a frame out of the national hive you can put it in a centrifugal extractor wind the handle and it'll spray honey out uh, very conveniently which will then drip down and you'll end mm-hmm. up with with runny honey in a pot you know right. But with these, you you would to get to extract the honey, you could press the honey out of the comb. You then ruin the comb and not be able to reuse the comb. Also, you, mm. you, you can you can spin some what you call wild comb, I suppose. Wouldn't you, you can you, okay. you, you can uncap it and spin it, but it's a really sticky process. Right. So, and what happens if you're going if you're going to harvest honey from here, you could get yourself a, a comb cutter. Yeah. If you're going to harvest it to sell or, to, or even to eat, and you, you can buy these tubs or and this kind of a kind of like a cookie cutter but for honeycomb that's what i was going to say yeah it in and then press it out and then yeah. it fits a tub or, or as you said you could press it and drain it yeah and there's that from an apotherapeutic point of view honey that's been drained out or pressed you know sort of in a press like a side of fruit press type thing situation and has just oozed out slowly or dripped through a muslin into a container that you can then put into a pot has finer characteristics than honey that's been spun of really quick you know these centrifugal forces and, and the the speed of which honey flies out from a honey spinner is really fast and and so it, it flies through the air and, and gains some kind of static charge and then hits the wall and 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 then drains down and oozes into you know through your filter yeah. but some apotherapists many apotherapists make a, a distinction between the two and they say that the, the finest honey is always cut comb honey because it's still in the wax yeah. as bees have preserved it capped yeah. over in the wax and then the second kind of finest honey is the honey that's been pressed from the wax and drained and then third would be the, the sort of spun honey and then you, and of course you get into realms of whether it's going to be hot cold processed or or, or or, or heat treated or whatever you know, yeah, so, yeah, so then yeah, you've yeah. got this 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 sliding scale of 
of honey that's just in the comb to the other end, which we call baker's oh, honey, which is, has been yeah. heated up quite a lot. Yeah. And, and, but there are, you know, there are rules and regulations in various different countries as to how much you can heat your honey and all those kind oh, of things. Oh, it's a huge subject. Yeah. So, so, so then that would have been the, the guiding thing for Matt then. He wanted honey on the comb, well, as I think James does actually, interestingly. So that's, that's yeah, there's another reason. a good conversation about this one, I think. There's another reason as well. So cut comb is yeah, what you end up getting out of this. And it would be lovely wild comb as well. So there will be no foundation or anything in, in, within mm -hmm. the comb. Um, very healthy. But the, the, other, the other reason with these hives is that um, it's designed for sort of slightly, really less intervention. Mm. Um, so you build, the bees build up the colony from the side um, across and the brood expands. And you, you end up adding new frames horizontally across the hive. So you just move Rather your dividing board over when you yeah. think they've got power to build some more wax on another frame. You sort of yeah, take, give them take a... your dividing board and put a new top bar in, and they start to draw from that. Yeah, and because you, and because you've already put the spacing in, because sometimes in wild comb you get it sort of start thin here and get really thick here, and you, you think oh, my comb cutter's not going to get through that. I just have to press oh, okay. that or just feed it to the kids or something. Yeah. But here, what's really sensible about these Russian hives is that you've you've put your space your spacing in because you've got the top bars so you know that that comb that you might be cutting is not going to get too wide and too yeah. too deep or be uneven or whatever yeah 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 i yeah, know it'd be really exciting to see the, these because this is a new colony it was a small swarm uh the idea of taking any honey from this this year is is really out of the question because mm -hmm. they're gonna they're gonna need mm -hmm. the stores that they bring in i mean they're pretty active but um i haven't seen how much how much, how much stores they brought in but you know, I'll be leaving this one all winter to, to on the stores that it's got, uh -huh. and then maybe having a look in the yeah. spring and seeing. What's Great, I love that. I mean, uh, some it looks cultures, well, it, it does. Yeah, it's, it's a really nice look. Yeah, I can see how, because in Russian culture, the the log hive, at some point in Russian history, there's all these uh, paintings of you know, these of old bee masters in in their gardens or their apiaries with their log hive, and it became this. This kind of icon of Russian, of Russian history and a, and, a, and a time in Russian folklore, and I can see how this is so similar to those log hives in the way similar diameters, and, and it's like a squared off log hive with these with these top yeah. bars in. Yeah. And uh, and it, in some Eastern European cultures, their main honey harvest was in the spring. Right. Polish Polish log hives. You know, the, the honey harvest was taken in the spring, and and here we've got this current mentality that the, the honey harvest is you know now you know yeah. the first week of august or it was uh, traditionally it was the 25th of august which is st bartholomew's day and, other, and there are other times but uh, but that's we just I mean, that's kind of stuck and, and seems to have got ingrained into the contemporary beekeeper psyche but actually spring harvest is a is, is also a very sensible thing to do very yeah and, I was gonna uh, say, as far as the bees are concerned yeah. right. it is it makes it makes a lot of sense so you check yeah. that they you know you check they've come through the winter on the on the stores that they've brought in made sure that they've had enough to, to get through the winter mm -hmm. yeah. and then if it's clear in the spring that there's an excess yeah. that you can maybe take a bit and take it and they will they will spring, and it spend gives the more space the and they've got that that kind of power of spring waxing to build more more wax yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly right well talking about log hives let us go onward in search of the log hive which is actually a little way down So, oh, look at that. we're kind of rounding the last <laughs> corner. It's like the Shepherd's Hive, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. This is the log hive. The wind's getting up, actually. You'll probably hear that on the microphone. James has joined us. Um, 
because we kind of made this together actually james didn't we as a group anyway yeah. this log hive experience it is yeah. very very sweet looking isn't it i mean that is one of the things it's kind of charming oh and i see the yeah the inspection hatches from underneath it does really yeah. you can just look up and have a look in. can you describe it patrick well i'll do my best i mean the log itself is about Two, two foot, two I think it's, it's about two foot six. Two foot six, and the diameter was, diameter. was about eighteen inches. Yeah. No, twenty-two inches, and the three-inch, three-inches walls. The, That's the, right. The, so it's so cozy in there, isn't it? So, so, so the cavity, it. there's basically the whole log has been bored, bored out through the middle, and yeah. the cavity width um, is enough for the bees to build wild comb mm -hmm. down from put on a lid which has been put on yeah. top. We did that boring activity, we were around at Matt's, okay. we were just talking about, yeah. with the um, chainsaw, yep. did that bit, and then pretty much hours of chiseling with this long, long handled chisel. chisel. I mean, a all softwood though. Sorry? A softwood though, so it yeah. could have been yeah. worse. I know, yeah. but it's still quite hard work, Chris. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we were oh. there. Use it or lose it, come on. <laughs> we, 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 we spent most of the time chatting. We did. <laughs> chatting and having lunch, which actually is what it's all about as well, isn't That's it? Because, right. you know, when you make something like this, we're in it as well, if you know what I mean. You know, our, mm, our work yeah. is in it. Whereas, well, obviously, with the nationals and things, it's kind of you buy it off the shelf, don't you? Yeah, okay, yeah I hear really you tapping your frames together, but no, apart it's, completely, from that, it's yeah. completely different. I yeah. mean, uh, the, the whole conventional, you know, modern beekeeping way is it's very, it's mm. very it's industrial, it's very sort of machined yeah. wood. You know, exactly. this is raw. It's it's wild. Yeah. It's it's like you know. And uh, what the bees love about it actually is the, is, is the cavity inside, which is the kind of environment they would choose naturally anyway, is rough and has lots of, you know, you, Matt was saying, you know, leave the inside as rough as possible because that's what they love to propolize and, you know. And things like the pseudoscorpion can go and live in there as well. Oh, really? Do you know the about the pseudoscorpion? No. Yeah, we never heard of that. Oh, right. So, so the pseudoscorpion <laughs> predates varroa mites. Oh. Yep. Right. And it's, you know, years ago before, I guess before paper was sprayed so much or something, you used to get these kind of little things wiggling around in books when you open them up. Yeah. That's a pseudoscorpion. I can't remember the Latin name. But if in, in this kind of environment where there's nooks and crannies and things and, and maybe a bit of debris even on the floor, then it would love to live in there and probably have some in there. You probably have some in there. Yeah. So it's like a bio, what's the word for it? Bio uh, yes. press controls. Yes. Yeah. yes, 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 yeah. yes. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, that's so good. So we put it up in April or May, was it this year? Something April. Like that? Yeah. April this April. year. Yeah, there was a story in that because I put a ladder against it and knocked it over. Okay. <laughs> Do you remember that, James? Correct. It fell over. Because <laughs> it's, it's about head high, this thing, isn't it? Just the beginning of lockdown. Let's hope nobody's watching us. So it had bees in, did it? No, no, no. Okay. And that was the thing, wasn't it? So did you put any lure in there or did you just leave we it? We put um, some old comb in there, mm -hmm. uh, made it smell, tried to make it smell of, of bees, yeah. which they love, and uh, a little bit of uh, lemongrass oil. Yeah. And uh, we got a swarm in within what was it two weeks no, two weeks I'd within say. two weeks yeah. but yeah. matt said uh, one one of these he put up he had a swarm in there within within half a day or something i like. thought he said as he was putting it up they could have been sniffing it around they could have yeah. been sniffing around it yeah at that point. he's a great advocate of this mm. and mm. it's got this straw hat have we said that it is very very sweet looking yeah. it's got this the hackle the hackle as it's called so the the hat is is the same um length as the log itself so it's proportionally it's it's quite mm -hmm. quaint and what's great is people because people walk walk around here and they it's become a real sort of attraction people come and look at it yeah yeah oh, which is the other thing isn't it it's engaging people in a these ap sculpture 
Yeah. You heard about that, that <laughs> terminology? Ape sculpture. It's like a rocket as well. Yes. Rocket like. It is like a rocket. You know the hackle. You know that word. That's a. It's a Yorkshire term. I mean, in Devonshire, you call that thing a cop or a coppet or a cap. And it's like a thatched roof, isn't it? But but the word hackle comes from the hackles on a dog or the hackles is, is the rough around a cockerel's yeah. neck feathers. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of yeah. looks a bit like a cockerel, doesn't it? The cockerel's neck. It does. So you could get, get into, you know those things, you, those things you see on thatched roofs, I forget what the word for them is, finials or something, what they're called. Right. Those little sculptures, straw oh, yeah, sculptures yeah, yeah. of either Which a, a fox or a yeah. duck, couple of ducks and a few ducklings. You could sort of, you know, there's scope here for more AP sculptural <laughs> things to happen, aren't there, with that, with that like roof? Like a big com, com, A common thing for log hives, traditionally, is to have uh, a sculpture on them. To, so the, the entrance you've got here could be the mouth of a, someone smiling or, or uh, you know, the ears. Like yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. so I've entered that tradition and perpetu trying to perpetuate that tradition is I've carved a few log hives with faces on them. Okay. And the, so the bees come and go through the, the smiling mouth and the oh, nostrils yeah. and the ears. And there are some log hives in the world that have, you know, have all sorts of other or orify, is that the right word, that bees come from and go from. And uh, so, so there's a fascinating uh, bit of folklore there. And, and it was to do with, there was always one hive in the apiary or the bee garden that had the face on it. And it was to scare off uh, evil spirits and malevolent yeah. forces, and maybe elephants, but malevolent <laughs> forces. And so it's a protective kind of warding face on the log hive. Is we a, should is do a great that on the next one. Let's yeah, do that. Definitely. Well, a friend of mine, I, 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 I walked past here with a friend the other day and he said, I want to draw a face on it. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it does sort of lend itself to that. It's true. Yeah. It has a definite personality, yeah. even with straight legs. I thought we put it on bendy legs, actually, James, but you've gone for straight. That's what I had. Okay. Lockdown. <laughs> Lockdown <laughs> legs. Lockdown so, legs. So the thing is, that this is the most exciting thing for today, anyway, in this episode, is that we've never actually opened this. So I think we ought to put suits on, shall we? And then should we just try and take that? Yeah, let's have a look in. Yeah, 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 It's busy, isn't it? Then? It's dirty, it is busy. busy. Going. Just the one entrance, is it? No, no it's, it's really got two. Yeah. Right, so we've all suited up, and uh, well, so far, well, Chris, you are not suited up at all. You're you're going to take the risk, right? Because you're quite. Well, there's the. You do quite like getting stung. I mean, is this. I think if I did have a suit here, I'd probably have it on. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I've probably been stung more than most of you, and so probably more used to it, I think. And, yeah, I mean, it is good for you. I got stung by a bumblebee this summer, and, and the next day I was stung by two honeybees, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's more like it. But, yeah, I don't, I don't want to tempt Providence, okay. I touch wood. And, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. and it seems like a really nice colony. Yeah. They've, they've um, seemed really gentle, haven't yeah, they? We just seen, we just as we came along, we just saw um, two workers chucking a drone out. Mm -hmm. okay. uh, well, we thought it was two workers chucking a drone out because that's what happens at this time of year. The drones get evicted, but actually, as James pointed out, they seem to be dragging it back in again. Oh, okay. <laughs> so anyway, interesting. Right. So Patrick is now just reaching up and um, swiveling the the wooden clasps that are on the. No, the no. circular disc on the bottom of this circular piece of wood. Uh, very, very simple. Yeah. That's just going to drop off and hopefully... Bit, oh, it's sticky. Oh, here it comes. Oh, there we go. There we go. Whoa. Right, can we see up in there? Oh, it's nearly full. Look at that. So we're all down, just crouching on the ground. 
Oh, so okay. It's quite a small capacity, really, isn't it? Because the walls are so thick. So we can see the bottom of the comb that they have basically built from the top down. Is that right? Yeah. Can you see this, James? Yeah, I can. So it's all it's wild comb. And they've drawn it all down nearly to the floor. Yeah. Some of it nearly touching the floor. And you can see the lovely virgin white comb on the far side there near the front. Yeah. And then this older sort of brood comb at the back. Yeah. And the bees are kind of coming out yeah, now, obviously, because it's uh, a little bit anxious, aren't they? they? Yeah, yeah. But that's... Oh, there's one attacking your microphone. <laughs> I don't think. It thinks it's a dog or something. I blame it. It's one for the furious thing. Bees oh, all over this comb, and there's one, two, three, four, five, about six um, bits of, of, of uh, comb hanging down that I can see. Starting to feel slightly anxious, that's me. Um, but actually, I don't know, they, they seem to be, a lot of them seem to be fairly calm about having their their yeah. floor removed for the first time I ever. Did, I did actually just get stung with them, one of the, they might be on some ice. I got stung, so it's just the ones at the bottom thinking, what's happened to our floor? Should I put it back on again? Yes. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. It's really good to see yeah. how all healthy and happy they are in there. Comb all the way down to the bottom. Yeah. Amazing. Lockdown. <laughs> Very good. Oh, I just feel slightly sort of pathetic because I do sort of go very anxious when when that happens. But I suppose that's natural as well, isn't mm -hmm. it? Yeah, yeah. So is that pretty much what you were expecting to see, Patrick, in there? Yeah, yeah. I was hoping to see comb all the way down. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what it was. Yeah. So that's all the way the full length of the the, the log. So the, those those combs will just be, you know, full of honey brood pollen and next year they'll be sending out an early swarm i'm sure they've, yeah. they've nearly well, reached so, full yeah. capacity and they're, they're, you know they're, i mean they're still packing honey into that bit we've got we've got a lot of nectar to come in yet this next month you know with the willow herbs and other things going on and so they'll they'll have a really good stores there you know i guess you're not going to harvest anything from this yeah, yeah. yeah so you get you get some really good early swarms next year, I think. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that it is nearly full, are they going to eat enough to make space for another good year of making honey next year? I mean, is it not yeah. going to kind of so the early overfill? swarm will make will make the space. Okay, so yeah. that that will be they'll just self manage. Yeah, so well, you could you could take a spring harvest if you cut out my side combs. It's against <laughs> Matt's philosophy, isn't it? Well, I think it's against it is, Matt's philosophy. Yes, yeah. we wouldn't have, we wouldn't yeah. tell Matt. Um. <laughs> I think again, the, the idea of these log hives is we looked at the Russian hive and yeah. we talked about like lower maintenance because basically you're just adding frames for them to build, um, put their stores into mm. and then you might take some of that. And then this log hive is even less maintenance. It's like, in fact, there's some, some organisations, I think Matt was saying that he's working with who, who used to have bees in hives, mm -hmm. the big estate owners, things like that, used to have bees in hives on their land are now going over to these yeah. because you're bringing bees in, pollinating, but you're not having, having to bother with any, any management. Any at all and you're doing your bit, aren't you, to yeah. kind of support all of those mm -hmm. ecosystems on your land, yeah, without any intervention, which is not, I mean, it's not a laziness thing, it's actually a really good thing, isn't it? Yeah. And these, I mean, this is on legs, but these can be put into trees, literally strapped onto trees, so, yeah. so it's a brilliant thing. So, oh, that's great, really good to see. Yeah. And a really good, nice end to this lovely episode of this, you know, just kind of actually being able to wander around and see some bees and we're hoping um, to during talk this to, lockdown life. We're hoping um, to talk to Matt. We are. So yeah. Matt Somerville will be on our podcast very soon. And we're not exactly sure when, but um, he is 
a, just a hugely inspiring man who's got all sorts of ideas and fingers and pies and um, yeah, so we'll pop over there and see him. But that's probably all, all we got time for, as they yes, say. Yes, yes. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, what a lovely walk. <laughs> a lovely walk. Thank you, James. Meandering along the Avon. And we, just, we feel refreshed and revived. And thank you for listening. Mm. Another edition of Living Beings. Mm.